Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and this is the checkup. Say you don't know me. I recognize my face. Say you don't care who goes to that kind of place. Knee deep in the hoopla, sinking in your fight. Thank you so much. I am uh, glad that you have decided to join us for uh, the checkup on Fridays. And uh, we are always encouraged to bring you relevant content that stays moving and helps keep you encouraged as it encourages us with this recovery movement where we can go from broken to whole and use our experience, strength, and hope to help elevate each other to that position where we are experiencing life in a refreshing way, regardless of how long we have been at it. One of the greatest challenges regarding any relationship, whether that is the relationship of self, the relationship we have with God, the relationship we have with significant others in our life, is to keep it fresh, keep it real, keep it relevant, regardless of how long we have been at it, to never let it grow stale, to always have a place for the water to flow so new water can flow in as the older water leaves and goes on to wherever that goes, but to keep it fresh, to keep it real, to to always keep it before us. Uh, one of the greatest examples in that has been my journey with recovery, to never rest on the laurels of yesterday, to always keep the recovery juices flowing so everything stays new and alive and vibrant. Even with my marriage to Laura, Laura and I will, on May 27th of this year, We will have 31 years of a vibrant marriage where it's always been growing and always learning and always exciting. And if you know our marriage or follow us on Facebook or see some of the things that I post on Instagram, we're always doing something new while still cherishing the things that we have been percolating on and encouraging and growing and going in over the years, but to keep it fresh, to keep it real. And one of the things that I've really come across, and it has been encouraging me, is in the area of mindfulness. And I've been doing some blogs on them lately. So if you want to look a little bit more in the area of mindfulness, I encourage you to Google it, to research it, to look at some of my blogs from the last few weeks and And I'm going to be continuing to go into an area of mindfulness over the next few more weeks to exploring different avenues of that. So one of my blogs every week is actually going to be in the area of mindfulness. I came across this uh, Dr. Peltz, uh, Lawrence Peltz, P-E-L-T-Z. You can go find this book. It's called The Mindful Path to Addiction Recovery really pretty cool. I've been going through it. I've ordered the book. I'm going to be reading it uh, 
to explore it more deeply. Um, it's it's a great book, and you can find this on uh, uh, Amazon or Google Books. But it's it's based on the quality of attention. It's read. I'm reading here about the book uh, Mindfulness: The Quality of Attention That Combines Full Awareness with accept, Acceptance Acceptance of Each Moment Just As It Is. It's gaining a broad acceptance uh, about our life, and uh, the it's the author states that. Uh, at the heart of addiction is the fear of painful and emotional stress. And boy, isn't that the truth? So this book explores working with the body on cravings and urges, and then working with feelings and emotions and working with mind states. And it is um, pretty effective, pretty good stuff. You might want to go check that out. Again, Dr. Lawrence Peltz, uh, just on mindfulness. So. What is mindfulness? And today's podcast topic is simply on the mindful path to addiction recovery. Mindful path to addiction recovery. And it's interestingly enough that we, in our addictive state, we pretty much lost our mind. You know, some of us a little bit more than others as we went into the area of psychedelics and other mind-altering and bending substances that really gave us an altered state of, uh, of reality. It was not reality. It was so altered. It was, it was opposed to anything that reality would indicate uh, in our life. So, but what is mindfulness, right? And drawing on my friends at dictionary.com, Uh, Mindfulness is a technique in which one focuses one's full attention only on the present. Interesting. It's a technique where we pay full attention only on the present, experiencing thoughts, feelings, and sensations but not judging them. So for this purpose, I think it's it's important to probably have a little bit of recovery under your belt. Uh, one of the things that my dear friend and, and sponsor, he, he laughs because I don't call him nearly as much, uh, but Slow Will, who I've known for uh, my entire 34-year journey, he talks about uh, we're in the big book at and the twelve steps at uh, about clearing away the wreckage of our past and in that tenth step where we continued to take a personal inventory and and when we were wrong we would promptly admit it and that is clearing away uh, the wreckage of our present right we have to clear away the wreckage of our past as we do in our inventory steps as we clear away that old garbage where we do that fearless and 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 searching that moral inventory, right? And then in steps five, step six, and step seven, we get rid of that garbage through that uh, step five sharing of those things with our with our sponsor and with God. We clear away those things in step four, and then our defects of character and our shortcomings that are revealed in step four, we ask God to remove them and and, and allow them to not be barriers in our life. 
So that is that mindful approach to the things that are in our life today, but it focuses only on the present. It really doesn't do with the past. So let's make sure before we enter into this mindful path to addiction recovery, we've got yesterday settled because today our present is what this mindfulness approach is going to be uh, affecting or, or looking at. So be very careful that you are ready in this approach, that you are pretty much reconciled with your past, that it's really not affecting you as of today in hopes of moving forward. Because what we don't want to do is negate the things that need to be taken care of prior to reaching this point, uh, having dealt with our past, that we can fully deal with our present. Because uh, again, we want to be very careful that we don't mix the two up because we don't want to ignore past feelings or events that would allow us to take care of the things that would uh, that that are of today. And again, I think it's very important that we look at these things that we are experiencing and thoughts and feelings and sensations and not put any judgment on them. We are having them. Sometimes we have them because we are human beings, not because we're alcoholic or drug addict or bulimic or a compulsive overeater or any of the other behavioral uh, uh, aspects that we pick up along the way. So I came across something really cool in my in my uh, study of this and my search of this, and and it's about. Uh, how does mindfulness affect the brain? And this is uh, out of a group, I uh, hope I'm pronouncing this, BUPA. They're out of the UK. So you can go to further look at this as I'm going to do as well, sort of just dissect this and put this back together. So go to bupa.co.uk. So I'm going to actually uh, uh, put this... Um, link into my podcast notes so you can go do some study when you get done if it does intrigue you like it does me. And if we're concerned with elevated states of recovery, these types of things we at least need to explore and to consider uh, as part of our overall approach to wellness. We don't want to leave any stone unturned and I even think for those of us who are locked into a particular uh, spiritual approach, like me as a born-again Christian, of course, my main source is going to be the Bible, the Word of God, as some of you are uh, looking at uh, other religious aspects, whether you be uh, a Jew and you approach it from your um, uh, Judeo um, uh, approach uh, to uh, wellness and spirituality, whether you are Muslim, whether you are Buddhist, whether you um, come from any particular religious walk or or a secular 12-step movement, we, we need to not lock out other things. One of the things that I have found as, as a Christian is that if I look at other things and become willing, then then I can actually relate them to the spiritual foundation that I find 
in the Word of God, in the Bible, as I understand the Old and the New Testament. So I have to be very careful in disguarding something because it might have come from a, a different uh, religious belief that uh, that I agree with or would subscribe to on a 100% basis. Be very careful in in dismissing something before you understand what it is. Be very careful, and this may be one of those things. So again, bupa.co.uk, and, and it talks about the most current research. And here's what it shows, that after regularly practicing mindfulness, and I, and I love this because this is science meets um, my standard way of living. And it helps me understand that there's a scientific principle to what I practice. And it really helps increase be my, my belief and my desire to learn more because it's not an emotional whim. It's actually something that's occurring with my brain, with the scientific understanding of my brain, how it relates to addiction, wellness, and the recovery that lies within that wellness path. So it says regularly practicing mindfulness, the gray matter in your brain's uh, amygdala, it's a region known for its role in stress. It says it can become smaller. Interesting, right? So as I regularly practice mindfulness, the gray matter in your brain's amygdala uh, a region known for its stress can become smaller. My stress will be reduced as I practice this thing called mindfulness. It's the area where mindfulness and creativity live. It's actually the prefrontal cortex uh, of the area of my brain that is responsible for things like planning, problem solving, controlling my emotions, and reducing stress. Isn't that crazy? I love the connection. This is telling me why, from a brain standpoint, why these things occur. So as my stress becomes less and my areas like planning, problem-solving, controlling my emotions and reducing my stress can now come more to the forefront. So that tells me that stress inhibits at least these four areas, certainly more, but certainly these four. So my stress needs to be reduced so I can become a better planner, a better problem solver, areas of controlling my emotion and stress reduction as it previously stated, I don't want to add, add a characteristic uh, of the, of the uh, definition, but I do need to reduce that area of stress. And I do this by practicing mindfulness. So that's where maybe going back to Dr. Peltz and looking at that book that he had written on practicing these areas and the, and the mindfulness approach to addiction and recovery can really be a benefit, right? So I need to 
consider mindfulness as it does in dictionary.com a technique, something that I would stress practice to reduce that level of stress. Tom Hopkins, one of the greatest sales uh, trainer of all time, um, talked about, uh, about practice, drill, and rehearse, how I need to daily try these techniques and these strategies and apply them into my life because they're not one-time fixes. There's something that I continue to learn and practice along the way. One of the things in the wellness approach and the, the whole thing that Dr. Covey talks about in um, uh, seven habits, right? The seven habits of highly effective people. Well, how does something become a habit? Well, we do know that practicing things over consistently, uh, because as Tom would say, Tom Hopkins would say, practice doesn't make perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. And I know that I need to do them over a, a, a considerable calendar of time. 21 days is the, is the uh, agreed upon um, time that I need to be practicing something for it to become a habit. So I need to take a mindfulness technique and over a window of 21 days, 30 days, whatever window you agree with, and to perfectly practice them for them to become a mindful technique or something that is embedded in my psyche. And as I do that, as bupa.co.uk indicates, the gray matter in my brain's amygdala that reduces my stress. Isn't that crazy? That gray matter that produces stress becomes smaller, which then opens up area of my frontal cortex where I can be a better planner, be a better problem solver. And then it will even control my emotions, which once again leads to reducing my stress. Isn't that crazy? Don't you just love how all of the dots, when fully connected, they form this better picture of me that allows me to be more of a productive person? And how true and necessary is this in our approach to a recovered life? Because when I'm out there in my addiction, in my behavior, my abnormal approach to living and those abnormalities, right, with my behavior and that that is mostly brought on to my addiction with substances, but even after, right, even after we get clean and sober, or for those where alcohol or drugs was never a problem, you can more fully attest to this, we still have behavior that needs to be changed, right? Um, Addiction doesn't necessarily bring on compulsive overeating. Uh, We can become compulsive overeaters and bulimic without ever having drank or used. We know this to be true because so many people that I met along the way in Gamblers Anonymous, they didn't have an alcohol or drug problem. They just had this compulsion that was brought on by areas of stress that they felt that gambling could reduce that. But we know that those types of behavior only increase it over time, right? 
And not every person who suffered from anorexia or bulimia or compulsive overeating, these are people who may never have touched a drink or a drug, and yet they find that a mindfulness approach to recovery or people who struggle with anger, that sort of stress, uncontrolled stress and emotional distress can cause and result in anger and lashing out on other people and high anxiety. But we know that regardless of what path brought us here, we do know that a mindfulness approach can be productive because don't we all need to become better planners? Once we, once we accept that we need to be on a journey of wellness and recovery, don't we need to be a better planner? So instead of allowing the day to control me, I need to take control of the day to seize the moment as it were and begin to have a plan and then work the plan, right? And when we look at even Zig Ziglar and he talks about goal setting, right? We need to have a plan. We need to develop something. We need to take control back. We need to take charge of our present situation instead of allowing the emotion of our situation to take control of us. We need to plan so we can look at solving problems. We need to identify problems and obstacles and challenges in our life. From a non-emotional perspective, we need to look at them intellectually and honestly before we can begin a path of solving them. We cannot look at them from an emotional eye. We need to become rational in our approach. RET, Rational Emotive Therapy. If you've never looked at it, look at it. There's a great side to it, right? We need to become rational so we can become mindful so we can reduce the gray matter of our brain in that area that causes stress that once that stress is reduced we can become a better planner who can do one thing at a time and connect the dots of the other things that we need to do so we can begin solving the problems instead of creating them right what is it what is it said um that we cannot express, I, I think this was Einstein. He says, we, we can't solve the problem that we're in with the thinking that got us to that problem, right? And that's the, the mindfulness. We need to change, we need to remap that area of our mind where we approach life differently. So we can plan, we can problem solve, we can begin to, control our emotions so our emotions don't control us. We don't want to be out of control emotionally. We want to say, okay, this is happening. I understand why this is happening. I understand that it's been my lack of planning that has created or exasperated this problem, which having an emotional response is not going to solve the problem. In most cases, it's going to delay solving, and, and more often than not, it's going to increase or give more power to that problem, which is going to delay my instituting a plan, which go, is going to diminish my ability to solving that, which will then increase 
my stress. You see how that goes? So I need to dial it back. I need to practice mindfulness techniques through prayer, through meditation, through talking through things with others. You know, if we need to go get therapeutic help, go get the help. There's nothing wrong. Matter of fact, I recommend it. It is so helpful to sort things out with someone else. Sometimes they it's better if they have initials after their name. There are some people who are highly trained, who are very therapeutic and very empathetic. Don't worry about if they've never been a drug addict or an alcoholic or they've experienced the same thing. That's malarkey. That's a lie. There are some highly qualified people who have never walked in our same shoes, and yet they have practiced techniques and strategies. The one common thing that these individuals, these professionals have is they're very steeped in empathy. Just because someone hasn't experienced an exact problem as me, it does not mean they don't understand my problem or my challenge or my obstacle because they have a point of relation from another area of life that they can extrapolate to what I'm feeling because at the end of the day, they understand loss. They understand despair. They understand confusion. They understand destruction. They understand rebuilding. They understand the steps that it needs to take to go from a sense of insanity to a sense of normalcy to a sense of rebuilding. They understand a mindful step and approach to planning, to problem solving, to controlling the emotions that used to control us that will further reduce the stress in our life so we can become more productive. There are some pretty sensational people out there. You might find them in clergy. You might find them from a religious or spiritual aspect. You might find them from a more clinical or therapeutic approach. You might just find them in a friend who says, you know what? I'll hold your hand. I will listen. I will let you know that we all experience these things. Because so often, all we want to know is that we're not alone. All we want to know is that what I'm feeling, other people have felt before. And and the miracle begins to take place. But it all starts with having a mindful path to addiction recovery. Using a mindfulness mindset where we can begin practicing techniques and strategies that allows us to focus on our thoughts, our feelings, and our sensations without judgment, just understanding that I'm having these and how can I reduce the stress that these types of things bring so I can get to my planning, my problem solving, so I can control my emotions so they don't control me. And therefore, I can become more well as part of this journey of recovery. And I can go from broken to whole, one broken piece at a time, putting it back in place where it belongs. One step at a time, one journey at a time. We did not get sick. We did not get 
damaged overnight. And we're not going to get well overnight. But I don't need to get well overnight because wellness recovery is not a destination. It is a journey that we are on together. And together we get well. One day I'll I'll share with you a little bit more. I might have done it in a previous podcast. Something I heard from this author and this speaker years ago, Joyce Landorf, in in, uh, this talk about God and his undying love. Incredible uh, series. Maybe Google it. Joyce Landorf, his undying love. Wonderful speaker, very gentle lady, great insight into the very nature of God. And she talked about this thing called God's waiting room. I love it. God's waiting room. And I'm going to have to do a podcast and share on this because um, if you can't hear my smile, just know that I'm smiling because I am often in God's waiting room and I don't mind it at all. It's a wonderful place to be. I don't fight it and neither should you. But I'll share more on that later. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for wanting to take the mindful path to addiction recovery. We can do this. We are doing this one day at a time, one step at a time. Remember, we got sick apart, but we will get well together. My name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy. I was trying to do everything.